my beautiful little pod babies. This is Own Goal Podcast. Today's date of recording is October 20th, 2020. We have a whole host of content to get into. I mean, the whole Juan Basaka bomb, uh, incredible schedule that we, we saw played out over the weekend and in Champions League as well. I mean, we've got so much shit to cover. But first... To the it's in, it's in goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. As Eric said, we do have a lot to cover, and I have to start with what might just be, might already be the favorite for next year's Oni's Award for the story of the year. AWP is drowning in some WAP, and that is my boy, Aaron Juan Basaka, right back from Manchester United, should probably be a center back, is Real quick, Donnie, what is you know WAP? Not, 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 I'm not asking. We have we have listeners that, that don't know what WAP is, and, and they're asking. Sure. Um, WAP stands for wet ass pussy. It is a term that uh, is... I, I of course knew that. Yes. <laughs> it is a term that it was uh, popularized in the song WAP by Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. Um, if it wasn't for being sued, that would just be a really great outro. For this, especially there's some hoes in this house. Well, um, there are some hoes in Aaron Juan Basaka's house, and he he is, I just Donnie. There are there 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 is there are some hoes in uh uh Jesse Lingard's house, technically. Well, they used to be at Jesse Lingard's house. So, Aaron Juan Basaka has a girlfriend. Aaron Aaron Juan Basaka also has a side piece who he impregnated. Then. In an incredible just twist beyond that, he then cheated on both his girlfriend and his side piece with Jesse Lingard's ex. The reason this is all blowing up is that Jesse Lingard's ex was, I guess, very bitter about everything that happened, even though, besides Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who's obviously the most morally in the wrong, she's in the second most morally wrong because she knew he was committed to t- not one, but two other women. But anyway, that's, that, that's really more of a semantical point. So she posts kind of all these, like, messages and just goes on, like, a, just the Instagram tear of Aaron Basaka, including this exchange, which I think is so funny. So she says, this is Lingard's ex, this is the third, Aaron Basaka's third woman, second mistress. Now that you're no longer sick, apparently I'm disposable. It doesn't work like that. And this was Aaron Basaka's response. Yes, it does. I don't owe you anything. Nothing but a safe transport back to London. And you gotta say, he kind of ends it off as a gentleman there. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think that, that that is fair. You know, it's, I mean, it's a whole bunch of shit. Uh, she doesn't really have, I think, a leg to stand on in, in this instance, just because she's knowingly also in the wrong. But, I mean, this is just incredible content. And what, barely over a year since the Rebecca Vardy uh, calling uh, Rooney. Uh, the month of October is just a gift for, for soccer content. And also... My question... Oh, there's a lot well, of... People. My question to you is... Oh, yeah. Well, oof, we, are, we are just... We are out of sync right now. 
It's been a minute. It, it takes us, it, you know, it takes a little time for us to uh, fit all the right parts together. Go ahead, buddy. Doesn't take Aaron Juan Basaka a lot of time <laughs> to fit all the right parts together. Um, no, he makes my part. <laughs> my question for you is: is is AWB on his way to becoming the new JT? It's very possible he might be the successor of JT, but only if AWB becomes a center back. To really be JT's successor, you have to be a center back. AWB's like 5D chess play to get Ole to look at him as a center back by starting to behave like JT. Oh. Instead of instead of he's trying he needs to become a center back to be like JT. What if he's trying to be like JT so he will be be moved into that center back role to allow United to have more fullbacks on the field, which as we know, uh, looking at Bayern is the way of the future. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Think about it like that. What I did want to say on this real quick is that there are a lot of people who may say, "Oh, like you know, be very critical with him. He's obviously doing nothing right, but he's also 22 years old." I think people kind of don't, like, judge it as, think about a senior in college. Yep, this behavior sounds about right to me. I think just sometimes people lose some of that perspective when they want to judge. Like, you saw it with Mason Greenwood and Mason Mount uh, in the international break. Who Those guys are even younger. Like, these guys are college-aged people, and they're going to do stupid college-aged things. And I think we shouldn't necessarily crucify them for that. That's all I wanted to say about that. On a serious note. Otherwise, this story is fucking incredible. It's still incredible content, and we're still going to talk about it because, I mean, have you listened to our podcast? <laughs> um, another good story here, this is actually great for me, is that Mesut Ozil has uh, not only been exiled from Arsenal because he didn't make their uh, Premier League 25-man uh, squad, but also has hopped on the Benzema bus. Quote, he, like, let's say, the Brazilian Ronaldo, He's so good with the ball in front of goal. He smashes it. Kind of like Aaron Basaka smashes it. <laughs> and also, I want to take this opportunity to remind everyone of the 2011-12 season, where in 64 games, Kareem Benzema had 35 goals and 24 assists. Just the legacy of an all-time great that is forever tarnished by the repulsive French. The only question is, you couldn't have found, I don't know, uh, a more relevant uh soccer player to to give to to give this endorsement of Benzema I mean you know I think I think Benzema I think Ozil may just be feeling uh some kinship with Benzema you know Ozil who's been ousted and uh in a way uh rejected from the team to play for so dearly similarly to how Benzema Nothing more than to play for the French national team, and he's been ousted and uh, and rejected from the French national team. I I, I, just, I wonder if if Urzil is just uh, not the most unbiased uh, resource here. I actually completely disagree with you because Urzil hasn't played soccer in forever, so all he's doing is watching it. So really, he's become like a the ultimate <laughs> like pundit and crit, uh, critic and commentator. He's had so much time to absorb the game as a fan and less as a player. My other Urzil theory is. Uh, we're gonna touch on the uh, Gunnarsaurus. Uh, I I wonder if the reason Urzel wants to wanted to save Gunnarsaurus so bad is he's actually been Gunnarsaurus this entire time uh, because he's not playing the game. So he's he's trying to find a way to save his other position. <laughs> Wait, why don't you tell us that story, please? 
<laughs> near the end of the transfer window, uh, Arsenal made an announcement that wasn't the the transfer acquisitions they were hoping for. It was instead that uh, Arsenal furloughed their uh, what twenty year over twenty year running mascot. Uh, Gunnersaurus, the the dinosaur in an Arsenal kit that's on the sideline of all the games, and, and the worst and part I mean, about this, the worst part about this is that guy. Like, I think he makes like a hundred and forty thousand pounds a year, and like the next one hundred and seventy or just seventy. He makes seventy thousand, and then and then a day a day later they sign Thomas Partey for what fifty four million. <laughs> what? Well, so the fun the funniest thing was there were a couple teams that had immediately followed that announcement by by saying uh we have uh, engaged talks to sign gunner source on a free transfer <laughs> and then uh didn't urzo offer to start paying his wages offer has offered to to pay you know urzo's making what how many million a year uh to not play so he said that for as long as he is at arsenal he'd be willing to pay gunner Soros's uh, I can't remember the guy's name. It might be like Tom or, or, or something like when that. When you've been a hey. mascot for 20 years, you no longer have a human name. On his driver's license, it just says Gunnersaurus. That's all. It's actually his contract. Anytime he's outside of his uh, his lo- his house or apartment, he has to be wearing the Gunnersaurus outfit. Uh, I guess not anymore now that the contract's over. It's like so, that episode it, of it, a it, community where Subway has like bought that guy the rights to that guy. <laughs> That guy's name was Subway, and Britta falls in love. Yeah, that. Yeah, I fucking hate that's Britta. She's the worst. Right there. <laughs> she, you know, she really Britta's it. <laughs> um, well, in a much more dark turn, last week we were sad to report that coronavirus had struck uh, Zlatan, which we'll also talk about his full recovery. Might have made him stronger somehow. Um, coronavirus arguably took has stricken. Maybe you could argue. There's an argument you made. This might be. If you think about, like, global popularity, might be one of the most popular people to ever get coronavirus. And obviously, I mean Western Is that opinion. popular? <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, Cristiano Ronaldo and Weston McKinney, both of Juventus, tested positive for coronavirus um, a f- few days ago. As of now, there is nothing to indicate that they aren't, you know, that, that their symptoms are severe or that they aren't in good health. I'll report. There, I have seen no reports that indicate either of them is having a bad case of it or having severe symptoms which is good and i just hope that they both recover and get back to full health because i literally have no idea how juventus have done since Cristiano ronaldo and weston mckinney haven't been there i realize that those two people are the only reason i even care about juventus in terms of like just checking in on them every now and again we'll, we'll i think we'll be touching on juventus and the league recap and in the Champions League uh, recap to, to follow. But, you know, I, I, one thing I think is kind of important to note is, you know, this this it, this is a pandemic, right? And this, this uh, you know, illness, this is still a, a very serious uh, health risk. Yeah. The fact that we see someone like Zlatan recover, the fact that, you know, we're probably going to see these, you know, really, you know, fit and, and pinnacle of in shape and Cristiano Ronaldo kind of, you know, quickly recover does not mean that that's the case for normal people. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good point. Um, to, to just touch on. Another serious point, Felix Magath seriously thinks that Pep Guardiola is just shit because Felix Magath ripped 
Pep Guardiola. Um, he's a former soccer player, a German soccer player and manager. Uh, in terms of managerial career, mid-2000s, he won a couple Bundesligas with Bayern, and I think his most impressive achievement was in 2008-2009 uh, season, winning the um, Bundesliga with Wolfsburg. And here's just some, I'm just going to just read off some of these quotes for you. Solely because of Messi, Pep won the title. Uh, solely because of Messi, they won titles, not because of Pep. Without Messi, this system has never worked as successfully for Pep. Otherwise, he would have won the Champions League with Bayern or City long ago. Kind of something Eric and I have been saying for a while that Pep isn't. The he started same. this podcast. Yeah. Isn't, you know, Messi really helped get him a lot of glow up early. And then since then, you know, yeah, he's gone to the Bundesliga and won league titles with Bayern. Everyone who manages Bayern wins league titles. He's won titles with City while Roberto Mancini was doing that before Pep got there. It just seems like his Champions League success is so far solely tied to Messi. So just interesting to see if he can do anything about that. I guess Felix took it a step further than, than I had taken it. You know, my, my statement has always been if Pep does not win a Champions League at City, then he is a failure. At His time at City will have been a failure. Because as you mentioned, uh, Mancini you know, broke that that seal of getting City their first league title. Yeah. So Pep was not brought in for league titles. Pep was brought in for Champions League success, which, as as has been mentioned, he is not not a hit. So you know, I think you can you could you can say he's not a good manager. I don't know if that's entirely fair, but I also don't know if it's not fair when you look at the resources that he's been been given at, at all the places he's been. You know, I I honestly think you and I could could do a decent job. Um, with with that financial backing, we, we'd have a better back line at City if, if we had that financial backing. Yeah, we wouldn't have any center backs. I'll tell you that for free. I was <laughs> um, speaking of speaking of a back line. Let's just hop right into some of the transfers that kind of concluded while we've gone been gone the last couple of weeks. I'll start with Barcelona as they have cucked Bayern Munich and they have won the race for the great American Sergino Dest, where he's already started in both La Liga and the Champions League player just for those who may be on the outskirts who you know uh, was born in, in holland uh has uh family in both the netherlands and the united states and was able to to choose you know who he wanted to play for uh came up the ranks in the like the the, the u16 u17 u19 uh the youth system with the U united states national team uh and you know i think I know, I know the Dutch team made made a push to get him to, to do that one-time transfer before getting capped at senior level. And, you know, he'd be crazy not to consider it, but he, he has said you know, time and time again that the United States uh, showed interest and in, in put their faith in him at a young level when, you know, the, the Dutch weren't interested in him. And not only does he think that, you know, playing for the U.S. is actually his best career path, but it's something that he wants to do and he wants to repay kind of that um, – that confidence that that that, that we showed him, uh, and I thought that was really really cool. And now he's starting Champions League games for Barcelona, uh, training with Messi, and, and just wow. Yeah, yeah, a really exciting time I think for a lot of these young European guys. And we had a lot of Americans who um, got in on some of the action actually in the Champions League today. Uh, just wrapping up over through the next couple of transfers, we already mentioned Thomas Partey to Arsenal. I think it's a good signing. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, was it worth Gunnosaurus losing his job? No. Time will tell. Only time will tell. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was he was uh, big games. He he played you know came up big for Atletico last season. 
I think he was what critical in Atletico uh, dropping Liverpool in the the knockout stages. So you know, I think obviously as we've kind of talked about with with the, with the Chelsea guys, um, there's there's always a bit of a learning curve and, and a little adjustment time it takes to get used to the Premier League itself. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if he'll be ready to make a direct impact this week, uh, but I, I'm, I think this was a, a great, a great signing for Arsenal. Yeah. Um, I know this one hurts you a little bit. You had alluded to it in the last episode, but it got finalized. Juventus have signed Federico Chiesa. And I think to just quote you from sometime in the last 24 to 48 hours, both your favorite American player and your favorite non-Milan, non-American player play for Juventus. Okay, my, comment. my comment was my comment was my favorite American, you know, in Weston McKinney, and then my favorite non Milan Italian player. Non Milan you know, Italian, it's no excuse me. It's no secret that I'm a, I'm a I'm a big fan of the Italian national team, and, and obviously I like the Italian league. Uh, so both both of those guys not just now play for Juventus, but in the same transfer window uh, made their way over to Juventus. Um, the yeah, and on top of that. I mean, what really hurts is 15 years ago. This is the signing that Milan makes. This 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 kid goes to Milan. You know that that's what hurts. Also, like they're getting McKinney for just for so cheap. Like they're paying a few million loan, and then it's like a 20 million option to buy or obligation to buy. It's so cheap. Uh, is a lot more expensive, but it's over three years. It's like a, a loan this year, uh, another loan the next year, and then an obligation to buy at the end of that the two-year loan. It's just like, are all these teams just trying to help Juventus continuously win the title? I don't get it. I mean, Milan haven't been doing their part and not sucking for the last decade, but shit, like, come on. Yeah, that's a bad beat. That's a bad beat. Um, I guess to wrap up the transfers, Manchester United really left it late. And by really left it late, I mean the deadline day. (laughs) Well, all right. I'm just going to... Edison Cavani. Okay. Good player. Can score goals. Kind of gives me vibes of when we brought in Zlatan. Where you know I I don't mind. Sorry sorry to cut you off, uh... I'll, I'll go when you're done. Sorry. Oh no, you could just cut me off. Um, it, it, I think it's interesting that you bring up Zoltan because what what I see, you know, that that strike force of of United doesn't lack experience, right? Rashford and Martial have gotten a lot of games and, and big situations under their belt, but they're they're not old guys. They they are young. You know, they, they are still kids. Yeah. Um, uh, Cavani is not right. He's been through it through it all um, at the, the biggest level. And I think it, it provides some, some frontline leadership uh, and experience kind of similar to Zlatan has brought to Milan. I, I don't think Cavani is going to need to do as much as Zlatan has to do on the field that, that Zlatan needs to do for Milan because United have a more talented kind of, you know, uh, core, uh, especially in the attacking uh, field. But it just very reminds me similarly of, of that that type of move, uh, similar to bringing like a, a Pat Maroon uh, to the Lightning, right? Bringing in that that, that older, experienced leadership, uh, and I just had to throw that in there. Um, yeah, 
Or, you know... Mm, yeah, I don't think it was a bad move considering what we're paying for him. But then I go back to when Dortmund bought Holland and just wonder why didn't Manu just buy Holland for about the same... I just... I don't think it's a bad move, but I don't know if this move necessarily... How much does this really help? I think... What I really think of it is... One of Martial, Rashford, or Greenwood will have a six-week injury at some point, And we'll have someone who's a proven player who can cover. Um, now, the signing that I was excited about... Obviously, the fullback, Alex Tellez. I mean, he's a fullback. Especially what I saw from him today. Great left foot. Really good really crosser impressive. of the ball. Um, I have one problem with his game, but I will dive more into that when we talk about Man U PSG. But I actually thought that was a really good signing. like that a lot. And then I do like these signings for what they help, what they say about you know the future. I always like going after younger players. They just don't do a lot for right now. And that's um, Adam Traore, who is actually an Adelant. Is it Adam? No, no, no. I, had a, I have a question for you. Um, yes. Do you think Woodward thought that was Adam Traore yes. when he was signed, when he was approving the transfer? 1,000%. Because he heard, you he, know, saw a, he saw Adam Traore and he saw Winger and he thought we were buying the jacked player from Wolves. And, and well, it's interesting that you brought up, uh, like, uh, thinking about. Dortmund getting Holland because I was seeing some rumors that Ole was all in on Holland and Woodward blocked that 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 transfer and that move and that even Holland thought there was a lot of steam and, and progress from United until Woodward stepped in and, and blocked it. Well, you know, from Woodward's perspective, having a Norwegian manager already makes sense. We have that market covered, so let's really go aggressively <laughs> after the Uruguayan market. Um, but so we yeah we found this um, winger from. Atalanta. He'll be with the squad in January of 2021. And I've actually heard, like, the Atalanta players, and they're all very, very high on him. So, see how that pans out. And then a guy who's actually training with the team now, another 18-year-old winger, is also Uruguayan, like Ana Cavani, is Facundo Palistri. I literally know nothing about him. I love the name, though. So, yeah. Um, on the other side of things... When Manchester United really need a center back, Chris Smalling sold Chris Smalling to Roma after he looked really good last year. So yeah, yeah, I'm not. But he he wanted to go to Roma. He wanted to leave after he he spent the last season on there on Roma. I, I thought it may it may suck with you guys needing a center back, but as you've said. You don't need a center back. You need a full back that you can put at center back. So Smalling doesn't fit anyway. Uh, Smalling in the Sir Alex Ferguson days played many a game at right back, actually. <laughs> um, but overall, I got to say, I'm really, really happy with two of Manu signings and Donnie Vandebeek, who's a guy I've actually been pretty high on for a while now since we've talked about the Ajax team, not just because we have the same name. Um, that is that, I feel like that's why you were originally high on him, and then and, and then yeah, you got. And I started like, watching you play. Yeah, yeah. And Alex Tellez, I think those are two really good pieces. It would be nice if we played Donny Van de Beek, but those would be issues for later in the podcast. I, I, I just don't just, get it. I just don't get me. it. Um, we're not really going to talk much about the international break, and I sort of unilaterally made this decision just because there's we have a lot of soccer. Other soccer. Yeah, there's too much. There's too much relevant soccer to talk about meaningless games. Yeah, friendlies and glorified friendlies. Quick note, we got to always support our boy Jack Relish, who... Even, even when Southgate won't. 
Yeah, which is bullshit. Um, and he got a man in the match performance for England. And then it's also just not as fun to talk about the international games when there's no, like, USA involvement. Um, and yeah. so I think we just dive into segments now. Yeah, I, I guess I want to give my, my, my one-sentence recap of the international break. And it was that, that message I sent to you, which was the best thing about the international break is when it's over and Gareth Southgate can no longer bench Grealish for no reason. That's yeah. That's it. Um, that's the tweet. As Eric is like a, a like a you know a, a secondary Italian national team fan, obviously after the U.S., I am very much a secondary English national team fan. Really, really upset by this. Um, even, even Gareth Southgate was asked a question about Grealish, only about Jack Grealish, and he incorporated Mason Mount into his response. And I'm sorry, but Mason Mount plays with a much better squad around him at Chelsea than Jack Grealish does, and Jack Grealish still puts up better numbers. And it's just the eyeball test. He's just the better player. I'm sorry. And, and also eyeballs. He's just way more attractive. Just un- unreal. Unreal. And with speaking of attractiveness, that just hops us right into our segments. Hawkeye of the week. This was a close one for me. Had we maybe potted. Like, I wish I could have two to like, I didn't incorporate last weekend and this weekend. But alas, it's hot guy of the week, not hot guys of the week. And so if I have to pick one. I'm going to give it to fucking Jack Grealish, who had two goals and three assists in a dismantling of Liverpool. Like, just as an attacking midfielder, just played perfectly, looked perfect. And then you also, he had that man of the match performance against Wales. Uh, And then he also played really well uh, in the, this last weekend's game, um, blanking on who that was against. But it was the Ross Park. Oh, yeah, against Leicester City, uh, creating. I mean, he had that one. I don't even know how he did it. It was like a side foot pass through ball uh, down the touchline. It's just his his vision combined with his touch and close spaces is incredible. And, I mean, I I, I think at this point his attractiveness just speaks for itself. Uh, Yeah. I'd also like to point out that he also dunked on another one of his supposed contemporaries. In uh, James Madison, when he apparently crushed him in FIFA, and James Madison had to like post some sort of shameful tweet, I want to throw in that in there. But yeah, it, it was a tough one for me. Who um, was your Who was your uh, honorable mention? Honorable mention was a hundred percent Marcus Rashford, who on the pitch over the weekend at Newcastle had two assists and a goal, and then today hit an absolutely just missile winner against PSG. It was Marcus Rashford. Plus, you know, he's trying to get England to feed kids over Christmas break, which England doesn't want to do. Um, He's already made them simp for him once. I have a feeling they may uh, simp for him again. Do not, do not get in between Rashford and feeding a hungry child. Also, you know, we, we we kind of skipped over the international break, but Rashford became one of what, four uh, English players to score in four consecutive uh, international appearances. The other four, the other three being Wayne Rooney, um, Alan Shearer, I believe, and the third one was definitely United striker. <sighs> what era? Nineties. Old, old, no, old. Bobby Charlton. I think it may, it may, have, been, it may have been Sir Bobby. I can't. Remember, I, I can't remember who, but basically, it was incredible company to be in. Right, yeah. that, that, so that was the... Rashford was my honorable mention, but you, you got to give it to Grealish. You got, I got to give it to Grealish there. 
Yeah. Um, I, so it's, it's interesting because in watching, uh, so I was, I was away from, from the apartment this weekend, right? I was doing a little bit of, of kind of camping, but, but not, 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 not super in the, you know, in the rough camping. But Gage spent camping. his entire weekend at an under 12 youth soccer tournament just watching. <laughs> Uh, one of the other parents asked him so which one's your kid and he's like oh i don't have a kid out there and just kept watching the game i just have have the scouting report (laughs) um so um i ended up watching a bunch of games uh like late at night and on sunday uh just on, on replays uh one of the games i watched like that was the chelsea uh southampton game and we'll touch on this more but I thought it was critically important that uh, last year, occasional German hot guy, Timo Werner, got two goals and assisted Kai Havertz. Uh, those were Timo's first goals in the Premier League, opened up his account, and he just looked so dangerous, uh, constantly threatening. Didn't like how it seemed like he was kind of, you know, uh, sucking some of the attacking options and in, in in, opportunity away from Christian Pulisic but that, that's just, that was bound to happen uh, he looked and played really well so that was going into this my hot guy pick for the week that being said he Chelsea just looked boring today in Champions League so if, if we're expanding it to include the games we saw today then for me it is Marcus Rashford so I think I'm going to go with, with, with I guess Rash Rash is my hot guy of, of, of the week but he got in narrowly over Timo because we were not able to pod over the weekend. Fair <laughs> As enough. We were playing, playing. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, now for my now for my Homer pick. Um, I don't know if you had anything you want to touch on uh, for Timo, or we'll probably talk about it when we, when we cover Champions League and Premier League. The only thing I'm going to touch on is I had been betting him every Premier League game to score, and then I didn't bet I didn't bet him against um, Southampton, and then he scored two. So I'm a little bit hurt about that, but. Uh, that's that's, uh, that's so not Timo Werner's fault so much as that's on me. I honestly, I can't wait for the Premier League recap because I, I can't wait to talk to you about how I watched that game. But my, my, my <laughs> I guess my philosophy for watching that game was, but we'll we'll get to that in a second. So here's my my homer pick, and we've made it what how how many minutes into recording, and I haven't brought up the fact that Milan beat Inter in the Milan derby, uh, for like the first time in four years. I mean, massive win, uh, and it was interesting because. You know, Ibrahimovic had a great game. A couple players had a great game, but the guy who got almost everything right from the begin from the beginning all the way to the subs made through the end was the Milan manager Stefano Pioli, who, when he was appointed last season, there were a lot of doubters. He had an incredible, po- you know, led Mondo an incredible post uh, lockdown run and has picked up right where they've left off. The only team in Italy, and I think the only team across all all top five leagues that have not uh, lost a game since the, the restart. Yeah. Back, back in whenever the restart happened. In and June. they actually haven't dropped a game in their league either. They, they remain, they have yeah. a perfect um, win. The record. only, the only, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they haven't lost. They, they drew Atlanta in the, in the restart, but mm-hmm. haven't lost a game this season. Mm-hmm. So Milan's undefeated. Milan's won every game this season, which means we're going to lose. Yeah, that's what I was saying. They've won every game this season. Sorry, yeah, yeah. So that, that's really impressive, but also just like the form they've been in since coming back to play after the pause, right, is zero losses and I think one or two draws uh, in 20, 25 games. Uh, so purely, and, and there were subs that were made that were, you know, 
around the 60, 70th minute mark, up 2-1, Milan bring on Samu Castillejo, who I can't stand and you know I can't stand, and Rade Krunic, who I don't think people would ever have heard of. Uh, these were very, very defensive substitutions. Uh, people, players brought on for their work rate and their muscle. Not Samu, he's like skinnier than a twig, but Krunic is a, is a beefier midfielder. And it ended up being exactly the right call to, to see the game out and, and kind of strengthen the defense. Uh, so it was my hat, tip my hat, and it was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so last week, or last episode, after making our Coach of the Week debut, I went with John Terry based off of an Aston Villa start to the season, and you had to think there's nothing that could possibly happen that could get me to, that I would actually pick John Terry a second time. Well, that was, of course, until Aston Villa stomped on Liverpool 7-2. to And then beat, followed it up by beating Leicester City 1-0. The 7-2 defeat of Liverpool, Liverpool with a full 11 guys on the pitch, is something that I just, I can't, I, unfortunately I can't step away from that. And so for the second consecutive week, my coach of the week is John Terry. I just, you're doing Dean Smith so dirty right now i'm sorry i think that if you prom- if, if dean smith gets sacked and john terry gets promoted aston villa continue on the same trajectory and i'm gonna die by that so yeah i'm going with jt <laughs> slash dean Poor smith dean. but mainly jt okay <laughs> you are just like jt you are a shameless bastard now, talking about being a shameless bastard, I think my fullback of the week is a bit of a shameless bastard on his off-the-field exploits. But you know what? If you're not doing anything illegal and you're not physically hurting another human being, then I don't care what you do off the field as long as you're performing on the field. And my God, has this man performed on the field the last two games. His first goal as a professional absolutely just smashed it. I mean, just just smashed it. Like he's been. Dude, he must. He must. He must have thought it was a third mistress or something because he just <laughs> smashed it. Yeah. And then today against PSG, I mean the spider. His tackling today, his last minute tackles, perfection. Just I I. It's been it's been a hot minute since I I, I remember enjoying watching somebody. You know, tackle the way. Do you want to say his name? You haven't officially yes. awarded him. Aaron Wambasaka, you are my fullback of the week. Yeah, I mean, just watching. I, yeah, it was it was great. You know, I think the the big knock on him since joining uh, uh, Man United is he's been a little anemic offensively. Right, sometimes. He's a little slow on the ball, on the wings, uh, getting the ball in. Uh, he he looked good against Newcastle, and obviously he got that scorcher of a goal. Uh, and and then in a game like today, where nobody wants Wambasaka offensively, it's all about you know making sure he's got his gaps uh, held tight defensively, and you know standing up strong to Di Maria, Neymar, and Mbappe, and he did just that countless tackles and, and just the way he goes he goes into a slide tackle in the box knowing he's going to get the ball and, and not the guy and uh, that the confidence is incredible i swear it's some mr fantastic bullshit where he like tackles and then he elongates his own leg like an extra four inches like <laughs> and then like maybe he's like ripping it out of the socket and putting it back that's in. not his leg that's not his leg you're seeing well you said earlier you said you had said a comment when we first started talking about Aaron Wambasaka in this podcast that he didn't have a leg to stand on and I was gonna say I thought in my mind I think he has three legs to stand on. <laughs> That's fair. That's a good callback. So yeah, my fullback uh, of the week, Aaron Wambasaka. For so many reasons. Back, 
my fullback of the week may be a little less known. Uh, we haven't been paying too much attention uh, to the Bundesliga, and what we do, we kind of focus it on a few key players. Uh, but looking at um, left back for RB Leipzig, uh, he's actually had he had a great season last year. He's technically on the books of Manchester City and loaned out to RB Leipzig. I'm talking about Angelino. Uh, he scored in their 2-0 or 2-1 win uh, in the weekend. So, you know, help 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 deliver a, a league win to keep Leipzig up top. And then he scored both their goals today in their Champions League matchup. Uh, so it looks like he's being, you know, more and more aggressive offensively. But Leipzig are also not conceding goals while, while he's having this aggressive attacking play. And he's had some really good performances. Uh, he was critical to some of the wins Leipzig uh, racked up in the Champions League last season. And I think you're seeing that same form hold true. Yeah. Um, and I will say this. I really like fullbacks when they're short. For some reason, that's, he's that's like kind of old. <laughs> yeah. And I like that he's 5'7". And he just, he just, I love, I love his look. I, I just love his look about him. Great choice. Great choice. All right. Um, we are going to hop in and kind of go through the leagues a little quicker than usual just because we have so much to talk about with the Champions League and getting our group picks in and that sort of stuff. But um, we're going to, since I always get criticized for starting with the Premier League, well, I want to start with Serie A today. But it's actually still self-serving because I said AC Milan were going to pl- have a good season this season. And also, you know what, before we even get into that, these are the teams at the top of the major five leagues right now. These are the teams at the top of the tables. Everton, you mean top of the major, the major, the major, the major four leagues plus the Uber Eats League in. Yes, the major four leagues plus the Uber Eats League in. Everton, Milan, Real Sociedad, aka Real Social Dad, and that is we actually love, just, we, lo- we love Real Social Dad. Yeah, we're big fans. Uh, RB Leipzig and Lille. Though Lille will literally last for maybe two more weeks. And PSG is right there on their heels. But so, yeah. And, and Gates, Serie A, baby. Talk so, about your boys. So not, not only was, is it self-serving for you to put uh, Serie A first, but it's also what you said. We're spending less time today on the league recaps than normal. <laughs> oh, Serie A goes first. So fuck you, you bastard. <laughs> uh, but to, to touch on it, we, we talked about it in the my manager or coach of the week. Uh, the Milan Derby, uh, Inter Milan, the home team, but they you know they share they share the San Siro. Uh, so Ibrahimovic was ready. You know he's played at Inter, played at Milan, left Milan, came back to Milan. Has said that he's only played for two big clubs in his life: uh, AC Milan and Manchester United. Hell yeah! And all the other clubs played for are not big clubs. So you know you know he he was looking to. To, to show up and show off against Inter. And uh, he gets some contact in the box, a little nipping at the heels. Goes down a little easy. I, I think he went down easy, but contact, he was on the ball and contact in the box. In the box in the midfield, it's a foul. They called it a foul in the box, and I'm I, I, not going to argue. Uh, what what I will argue is, is before Ibra came, Frank Kestier was Blonde's designated penalty taker, and I think he was converting most, if not all, of his penalties. Um, but I, I knew right away Ibra's taking this and Ibra's scoring this. And Ibra 
kicks it right to the fucking keeper. Fortunately, he hit hit hard enough. Keeper couldn't hold on to it, and it bounced right back to Ebra to put in his own rebound. Uh, but I got real excited and then real nervous early on. And then, I don't know, 10 minutes later, uh, an incredible uh, team play that led to uh, Kalinoglu feeding uh, Rafael Leal on, on the wing, who's playing in place of injured Andre Rebic, or Andre Rebic. And Leal just fucking worked his defender on the wing. He worked Ashraf Hakimi, uh, made a little dummy inside and then flicked the ball and worked around him and just was, was loose down the, down the, uh, the wing and then put an early cross in something that layout has kind of la- not done well previously is crossing the ball early, uh, to Ebra right there to, to just smash that fucker in up to one. And then that second, know, go- that second goal was incredible. Incredible. <laughs> Were they up two one or they were up two zero when they scored that? That that, that put that put us up two zero, and then unsurprisingly, you can't shut down Big Rom. Uh, he got Big Rom got got his goal back. Uh, Romagnoli's first game back from Milan, uh, you know, captain and, and starting center back, played every single minute of last season until he got hurt in the final three games. Uh, so I was always worried, and, and Rom dominated him. It's just too physical. I don't think Romagnoli's had enough kind of you know, game speed back. Uh, but uh, 31-year-old kind of brought bought for five mil last year, Simon Kier, to be Romagnoli's partner, stepped up big. Franck Kessier played really yeah. really well. And then Teo Hernandez was bad. He got worked by Ashraf Hakimi. I love Theo Hernandez a lot. It was a not a great game. And I that was, mean, that he, was... he was on the, on the intergoal. Uh, Lukaku was his guy, and... Theo Hernandez was just standing like in nowhere. Yeah, um, he, it was a it was a rough game, but I think it's a good sign to put a spin on it that such an important player and such a I I, I we know we really rate him highly on this podcast player can have a bad game and Milan can still win. I think that actually says a lot about them because I felt like a lot of times last season the team was living or dying with what the stars were doing, whether it be Zlatan or when it was Theo, but. You know, you talked about that second goal being a beautiful team goal. I thought that second goal was so fucking pretty. And I think you're seeing this Milan team. Yeah, they have star power in Zlatan. Yeah, you know, on another day, Theo can just light it up attacking. But you saw a lot more, I guess, a more cohesive unit. And I think Poli is making the team play a lot more as a unit and as a team instead of relying on, you know, how, how it's been, you know, in the last couple of years with Milan where a lot of their best moments just come from individual brilliance. So I think there's still a lot of positives to take in the negatives of some of this stuff. I also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Donnarumma made a couple clutch saves, uh, kept some tough ones out. And then uh, we didn't hear much from Perisic on the other side, on the other wing. And I think Davide Calabria had a, a really good, really good game. He's had a solid start to the season. Somebody in years past, I mean, he's still like 23, 24, but in years past, he when he was on he was incredible, but it would be one good game on, and then and then two games where he's letting up up, up easy goals and, and easy easy plays. So I uh, wanted to shout out my boy Davide because I thought he played really well as well. Yeah. So so quickly just could cover a few other things. Um, you know, a couple big games, Milan Derby obviously. Then the game I had picked as like a, a sneaky good game for the weekend was Napoli Atalanta. And I couldn't have been more wrong on this. Uh, within the first 30 minutes, <laughs> Napoli went up 3 nothing. Uh, game ended up being 4-1. And, you know, like I said, I was wrong. 
Uh, but Donnie, I think this kind of highlights something that you you may have forecasted at the start of the season about Atalanta. Yeah, I said that they were going to, you know, I also, I think sometimes when a team, when you have a Cinderella team, like the way Atalanta was in the Champions League last year, it's just so hard. Like when they're not used to playing that long, that deep into competitions, that expectation, and now maybe they have a low expectation. You just have a hangover. Look at Leicester City the year after they won the Premier League. And so I just thought maybe Atalanta was going to have a hangover, and I also had to pick somebody to come down from Milan to go into my top four yeah. prediction. And so Atalanta kind of—it was just kind of a merit. It was also a marriage of convenience for me. And I don't—I like Atalanta. I want them to play well, but yeah, it was. Uh, uh, uh. Honestly, I would be really happy if if they play incredibly well in the Champions League, but they struggle in Syria. You know that that would work for me. Yeah. Uh, but it was—it was just an. an Interesting weekend of results with Lazio, another, you know, perennial contender, top four contender, getting blanketed by Sampdoria. Fabio Quagliella scored another goal for Sampdoria. Did you know he was still playing? Yes, I did. <laughs> I did. Because every time every time Sampdoria is playing against Milan, he all he's always looks there he always looks like Sampdoria's most dangerous player, which is amazing because he's like old as shit. And two, there that one announcer like loves him so much, and it's like almost like because it's like a team like Sampdoria, it's a smaller club. It's like almost like a it's a bias that I actually kind of find endearing. Yeah, he also he has a knack for some wonder goals, which yeah. he often scores against Milan, of course. Uh, so Sampdoria just you know shut down Lazio, and then Juve going up against Crotone drew one one, and you know. I was feeling a little sad boy about the Chiesa transfer to Juventus, but on his debut with Juve, he got red carded in the 60th minute, so kind of made it feel a little better for me. You can definitely tell that this Juventus team is still very reliant on Ronaldo for firepower. Yeah. And and, 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 and then the space that his presence creates for their other players. I also I also think what we see with them now is not going to be what we're seeing them them playing, you know, halfway through the season. I think Pirlo is a really intelligent guy. You know, he has a mind for the game that many people don't. So it may also take some time for his players. Also they they've added they've added like two or three key talented offensive uh players in, in the window. So it takes some time for them to gel, but it's worth noting that uh the top 4 from last season all drop point right three of them lost and then Juve the 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 holders uh drew and they are also all or Juve and Inter are outside the top four right now they are in five and six and then Lazio is all the way down in 15 so it's early we're only four games in but shit's happening and then looking forward to to this this weekend uh I know you said that we were gonna go quickly over the leagues but fuck it I'm I'm doing what I'm doing uh Milan host Roma so I think that's a you know pretty pretty big game, and then all the other quote unquote big clubs, you know, larger, more competitive clubs in Syria are going up against kind of certified underdogs. So this could be a, a big game for either Milan to, you know, uh, get some some more leverage on on, a, on a, a competitor like Roma, or for Roma to claw, claw back in to also open the door for the other clubs to to catch back up. Yeah, yeah, well said, my friend. Okay. The Premier League. I almost, as I was going through the podcast, I was really hoping that for some reason, this Tottenham Man U game, we talked about it last podcast, so I didn't have to talk about it this podcast. But then I remembered I hadn't talked about the uh, Villa-Liverpool game, and so alas, here we are. 6-1 Manchester United. Dream start. Get a penalty in the first five minutes. 
Tottenham six, United one. Tottenham six, United one. Um, and then here's what I'm gonna say. I don't care if you had ten men. You're Manchester United. You don't fucking concede six goals in a game. Number one. And I think Bruno Fernandez pretty much said that at halftime. He was like, "What the?" Or after the game, he was like, "What the fuck?" That being said, Adam Lallana. That was a pretty big time bitch move you did. That was a big bitch move. I mean, I mean, you know, not to reduce somebody down to their nationality, but the art of the dive was uh, created by by whom? It was actually an, inven- an invention by the Argentinian, um, cultivated and, and crafted and, in Buenos Aires, likely. And and Lalana uh, is is Argentinian, and I mean. It's, it, there's two things. Martial 100% deserved the red card, right? He, it was, it, it, the, 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 the rule as written, you know, R-A-W is contact, intentional contact to an opponent's face is a red card. That's, that's, that's the rule. As a result, Martial with, it was, I thought more of like a, a cheeky little you bastard kind of slap, right? It, it was just like a little, like a little so, it, it, in my opinion, Martial deserved the red card. But Lalana uh, elbowed him in the face, or, 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 or el- whether it was, I think it was accidental, but maybe intentional, kind of the face. Lalana deserved at least a yellow card for that initial incident, and then deserved a yellow card for for simulation and diving as a result of the Martial. So it really should have been double yellow red card for Lalana, and then the red card for. Lamella, sorry, I keep saying Lana. I meant Lamella. I, those names are too similar. Um, all this to say, Martial made a big mistake. It was just stupid. Shouldn't have done it. But Lamella is in the in the clubhouse leader for bitch of the year. Yeah, um, that's all I'm going to say about that game. I think the Man United. I mean, Tottenham played well. Up to, you know, up the man took full advantage. Got rolling. Uh, Man, you did not play well. But it seems like whenever Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is at the point where people are maybe saying, should we fire him, he then starts to win. And the Newcastle game started the exact opposite way that the Tottenham game in that Luke Shaw had an own goal in the second minute. (laughs) It's a really unlucky deflection. But also De Gea didn't even move to try to stop it. It's like De Gea was just like, yep, he was kind of... I don't know. I felt like he could have at least made an effort to palm that away. He could have moved. My, 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 my assumption is De Gea saw Shaw like block it and it was like, okay, it's going. It's like, like, like I, I don't have to follow it. He got his foot to it. It's going out because 95% of the time that goes out. 99% of the time that goes out. Um, one thing I want to touch on before we get into the, the, the meat of this game is that Tottenham game was the start of a bad, you know, week and a half or so for Harry Maguire. Uh, that 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 Tottenham goal where Harry holds Shaw back from clearing the ball to head it straight to to Tottenham, like that was that was bad. And then obviously he got red carded for England uh, against uh, Denmark, I believe. So Harry Harry had a rough time, but I want I want to point that out because I thought his performance against Newcastle, which I'm sure you're going to touch on, was uh, impressive. Yeah, I, I said that you know. He needs maybe a mental health break. He went through a lot with the whole Greek thing in the summer. We talked about that. But, you know, he stepped up, equalized against um, 
equalized in this game, held uh, Newcastle's offense at bay. So Man, Man United's 1-1. And then, 15 minutes left in the game, we bring on Donny Van de Beek. New signing. Guy who regularly starts for Ajax, who win their league and goes deep, make deep Champions League runs. And what do we do? Oh, what? Well, the floodgates fucking open and we score three more goals via Bruno Fernandes, who missed his, fir- his first penalty for Man U. Um, today. On the same day, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Bruno Fernandes missed penalties. Yeah. For our, our two clubs. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Aaron Wambasaka got his goal. We talked about that earlier. And Marcus Rashford, after creating two goals, got a goal as well. So, much, much better performance from United in this one. I still think United are just so wildly inconsistent that they're just so hard for me to predict what they're going to do. I still think they kind of suck. Um, I, just, I, I, don't, I don't get the roster selection. I don't I mean, get Donny Van de Beek not starting games or how he didn't start today. Like, every time he comes on, he has either – the team has either – Scored goals. He has either he himself has scored, or the team has, or he has earned the team penalty. He only makes positive contributions. So why don't you just start him? We we were texting about the game over the weekend, and and I remember saying there is not a less creative and less inspiring midfield midfield selection United could do than pairing Fred and McTominay up together, right? I yeah. I, I, I think there's just there's just, there's just you're you're really saying we don't want to create. We're going to go all in on you know just banking and hoping that Rashford, Bruno, um, you know, the whoever's in there with like Mata or uh, Martial, if he's not when he's not suspended, that we're just going to bank on them creating. And the other what six to seven players are going to sit back and and not get have us get caught with our pants down. Um, so when, when that Fred and McTee pairing came out against Newcastle, my assumption was, okay, this is a roster management move because that means we're going to see Pogba and Van de Beek uh, against, uh, against PSG. So, of course, when the PSG United lineup is announced and it's McTominay and Fred again, I was, I was gobsmacked. Yeah, the roster selection is killing me. Let's maybe see. Maybe it's a fitness thing. Maybe Donny Van de Beek just doesn't have the legs right now for 90 minutes. That could be it. Let's hope and, so. Yeah. Let, let's see what the next couple of weeks looks like. But I just don't know what more this guy needs to do to get to start. I mean, why Why did we buy a why did we buy an important piece just to put him on the bench? That just we're not we're not at the level where our starting eleven is so profoundly skilled that we're, we can start you know buying luxury pieces for the bench. But you know what? That 6-1 result, I thought, well, man, that sucks. And the Liverpool fans, they, of course, had to get on Twitter and laugh and point fingers and, oh, God. This is just how you know that Jesus likes Manchester United. Because then, a mere few hours later, Liverpool got curb stomped by Aston Villa 7-2. Jack Grealish was a god. He was a god. Two goals, three assists. Ross Barkley got his first goal for Aston Villa. Ollie Watkins hit a hattie. And the JT Villas were rolling. It was incredible to watch. I loved every second of it. It was just an astonishing result. I just, I don't know what else to say. It was just, Aston Villa just looked so superior. 
I think, you know, one thing to touch on early on. So Becker out with, with that injury or that illness, I can't remember which it is. Uh, so, so Adrian is, is a, a, a stone's throw away from the, the quality of Becker, but he's still, you know, with the, with the rest of the quality in that squad, they, they should, they, they were still favored to, to, you know, take down Villa and probably take them down easily. And Villa got, a few lucky goals early on. I think there was a, a Adrian mistake and then there were some deflections that, that went on, but there's still no excuse for, for a seven two drubbing. I mean, everything Villa did just seemed like it was the perfect decision and the perfect execution of that decision every, every single time. Uh, Grelish was, was amazing. Ollie Watkins, you mentioned they, they signed him up from Brentford he was a really, really impressive young striker in the championship that almost brought Brentford to their first ever promotion. They lost to, to Leeds in the no, to, not to Leeds. They Fulham. lost to Fulham to Fulham America uh, in the the playoff final. But already looking like a, a great sign. You know, he could not produce for the rest of the season, and the hack against Villa against Liverpool probably worth it. Yeah, and what a signing Ross Barkley has already been a.k.a. Broccoli Rob for Villa, because following this up, he hits the only goal game winner against in a tight matchup between Aston Villa and Leicester City. So Villa are um, kept flying after that win, and Liverpool... Villa are second second in the table with a game in hand. On Everton, yep. And that, that game in hand will be played on, actually, it's coming Friday against Leeds, which is actually, that's a game I'm looking forward to. That's a game, that's a game to watch. Now, things kind of went from bad to worse for Liverpool. Merseyside Derby, very exciting game, 2-2, lot of action, VAR. Big, big caveat, though. Yeah, oh, yeah, big caveat coming. Um, VAR was just <laughs> very not on Liverpool's side. So, we, so I mean, to, to touch into, you know, what I think the Liverpool's fastest goal ever in the Merseyside Derby yeah. uh, came, like, less than two minutes in or, or – Maybe I think it was what ten seconds over two minutes in. Uh, Sadio Mane, uh, great great team goal, and I think maybe less than ten minutes after that, off a free kick, Van Dyke uh, has an opportunity. Maybe I think it's off a free kick. Uh, Van Dyke has, has is in on goal, kind of a, going after an aerial ball. It's ruled off sides, but in coming to play that that ball, Pickford went in with a reckless, dangerous challenge. Uh, ended up, uh, as we've since learned, tearing Van Dyke's ACL. He'll be out for months at the very least. And VAR went back and looked at the set of circumstances and ruled that because they, but all they looked at was Van Dyke and that he was offsides. Therefore, they didn't look at anything else, which is... So if you're telling me if I hear the the offsides whistle go, I can just go and like curb stomp somebody on the, on the throat and like nobody can look at it. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. Pick and I've you know I've I've not been shy about my allegiance to Everton since they they brought Hamas in. You know I'm I'm all in on, on Everton, but they deserve to be playing down a man with their keeper sent off, and they got real lucky that that didn't happen. Yeah. Um. Mo Salah takes the lead for Liverpool later in the, uh, late in the game, 72nd minute to go up 2-1. But then the man, the myth, the legend, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And by the way, Google Dominic Calvert-Lewin dad letter if you want to see the letter oh, his dad incredible. wrote for him. 
uh, after his son made his England debut and scored for England. Really, really, really cool. Um, of course, he scored because he has been on fire to equalize. And then Rickarlson Ricar- gets sent off late in the game, which was dumb. Because now, now so, a key piece for Everton is going to be missing for three games. What was interesting, Richarlison, play was whistled dead, in which Richarlison uh, went in on Tiago uh, Alcantara and it kind of seemed like he was trying to do the same thing Pickford got away with. I don't, I don't think it was intentional like that, but it was another dangerous challenge and the play was dead and he got sent off rightfully. And then uh, I think it was uh, you know in the 94th minute, of, of 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 stoppage time with uh with a man advantage i think it was 94 mm-hmm. minute or maybe late 80th minute something like that uh, i think it was jordan henderson uh bagged what what everybody believed to be the the game winner the most millimeter offsides call i have ever seen there's you can definitely say that that was not a clear and obvious error but you know it's got to happen to someone. It might as well be Liverpool. It, and it might as well benefit Everton. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to add, it was a bad challenge by Pickford. But the idea that Pickford went into that challenge hoping to knock Virgil van Dijk out for the season or hoping her to stay sale ridiculous. is absolutely ridiculous. People who are saying that Pickford should be banned for three months or I've seen takes that he should be banned as long as van Dijk is out with the injury... That is so fucking stupid and asinine. Like, that yeah. is absolutely ridiculous to, to think about that. It is an assumption of the risk when you're a professional athlete that on in a, in a contact sport, even in a non-contact sport, any given play, any given moment, you could have an injury. Yeah, it was a bad challenge by Pickford, but to suggest that it was in any way intentional to hurt Van Dyke or harm Van Dyke is so ridiculous to me that I can't even have a reasonable discourse with you. No, it, it, you're completely right. I mean, there's if you look at if you look at the play, like like what the fuck is he thinking? Like, what is he doing? Clearly, what he was thinking was, this guy's about to score. I need to do whatever I can to prevent it because my team can, you know, I have to get in front of this ball. I have to. Uh, and I, you know, I think he he doing what keepers do, flailed his body out wide, and 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 then he made a mistake. He injured Van Dyke, but there was I. You cannot say there was malice of forethought and. In that challenge, yeah, I think some of some of the takes about it, I get it. Van Dyke's a great player. It sucks that he that he's hurt for a long time. I completely agree with all that. But some of this whole like, oh, Pickford should be banned for months and months. Like, you can't retroact. Like, if that exact same thing happens and Van Dyke doesn't hurt his ACL, no one's gonna say anything. So I hate when people do this in sports when yeah. an injury becomes severe and then they want to retroactively use that injury to vilify the person. Like, come on, come on. Um, Everton also before that beat Brighton 4-2 on a James brace. So they are rolling. Um, just quick, top of the table. Top of the table. Yeah, they are looking really good. Um, I just quickly run through the ne- next few teams so we can kind of get moving along here. I So, so we're going to run through Chelsea. They they kind of wrecked Palace 4-0. Uh, Pulisic made, made his appearance. Uh, then got uh, you know actually started the follow up game against Southampton. Uh, I want to touch real quickly on the way I watched this game because I was catching up on all the soccer that I missed. Mm-hmm. I uh, was doing a skim milk version of this game. So whenever Pulisic wasn't on the ball or the ball wasn't on Chelsea's possession in Pulisic's side of the field, I was skipping ten seconds ahead every single time. So I watched nine. I watched. 
80 minutes or 78 minutes of this game in about 35, 40 minutes just by skipping all the non-Christian Pulisic, because that's all I was interested in. And also, interesting fact is, when I turned the game off was when Pulisic was subbed out with 10 minutes to go. Uh, Chelsea were up 3-2. And I was like, this game's over. It's a 3-2 win for Chelsea. It wasn't until the next day I found out that they lied. <laughs> they gave up a last-minute equalizer. <laughs> And this is the second game this season that they've blown a 3-0 lead to talk, to draw 3-3 that is aimed against West Brom. And it's actually really funny because, you know, everyone had to set their 25-man squad today in the Premier League, and Peter Cech is listed as an emergency goalie. And you, and then someone had a really funny question. Like, Sky Sports was doing thing, ask questions to Frank Lampard, the best one to pick, and someone commented, would you rather start a blindfolded Peter Cech in goal or kept up? I, I commented, ex- please explain why uh, JT is the GOAT teammate, and I don't I don't think that one got selected. <laughs> um, well, Tottenham followed up there absolutely dismantling United by saying, hey, Chelsea, I see your 3-0 blown lead, and let me do you one better. Tottenham had a 3-0 lead in the 80th minute of this game. Son and Harry Kane, who have been on fire for them this season, continue to be so. Donnie, hold on. Tottenham had a 3-0 lead 16 minutes into this game. (laughs) Once again, once again, 16 minutes in, Harry Kane bags his second goal of the game, and I see 3-0, and I'm like, all right, I'm turning this thing off and watching other games I have to catch up on. I I checked the score, like, 30 minutes in, 50 minutes in, 60 minutes in, 75 minutes in, and it was still 3-0. Yeah, and then... Things slowly started to fall apart at the end as eventually West Ham, God knows how, clawed their way back into the game. Gareth, This is Gareth Bale's debut, by the way. Gareth Bale had an incredible opportunity to score. Doesn't score. And Lanzini would have put up, uh, put up uh, Tottenham 4-2. Lanzini ends up hitting an absolute world-class strike. Cracker. Just to a... equalize it. I mean, basically like a walk-off equalizer. Here's just an interesting, some interesting statistics. So, so the shot that Gareth Bale should have scored, they gave that uh, shot a 29% chance to go in. Lanzini's was a 1%. Which, which this really comes down to is that out of 141 simulations, 41 should see Bale score. Spurs go up 4-2. Spurs win the game. 99 should see Bale and Lanzini both miss, and Spurs still win 3-2. And one out of 144 simulations statistically would see the result we got. And that just shows you how crazy soccer could be. Because it's like, when one goal is so hard to get and can be so defining, I think that's why, like, one of the things that's so cool about soccer is, like, how upsets can happen. Is that, like, it's not easy to score the way it's a lot easier to score in, in, in most other sports. And, and like you said, that that bail opportunity was an incredible opportunity. Yet it was a twenty nine percent chance of success. Like like that's that's a good opportunity in soccer. Yeah, yeah. Um, Arsenal they beat Sheffield. They lost one zero to Manchester City. Arsenal were very boring in possession. I don't know what to make of Arsenal yet. I, it's too early. You know, one one thing that I think to make about Arsenal is when they lose, they haven't. They haven't lost as bad as some of the other teams in the Premier League, right? But also, when when it comes time for them to impress, 
they leave they leave me wanting i mean they, they don't leave me wanting more they leave me wanting to no longer watch them because like they were just they were down one nothing against city and i just didn't see any ingenuity and any any push and drive i was like i had to check the score to make sure i wasn't watching a 1-1 game or 0-0 game because it felt like they were playing for a tie when they were down one yeah that's all i think that this is the current curse of uh, Gunnosaurus and that um, Arsenal will not win a game until, gu- until justice has been made for Gunnosaurus. Uh, I stand with Mesut Ozil and I stand with Gunnosaurus on that one. Is, is Ozil the, uh, like the, the warlock that's actually cast this curse? Probably. He didn't care enough to cast it when they were slighting him, but when they went after his boy, Gunnosaurus. Hey, friendship, baby. Magical thing. Man City. Okay. On this last podcast, I thought that Man City, after getting dismantled by Leicester City, would destroy Leeds. Eric said it would be close early, but then Man City would kind of start running away with it. Nope, just straight up 1-1 tie. Unusual for Man City to be dropping this many points. But then again, everyone's dropping a lot of points, so who the fuck knows with this season? Not everybody. Well, not not well. the only team that Villa. hasn't dropped points is Villa, Villa. baby. Villa, baby. Um, and then we talked about the they'll beat Arsenal 1-0 couple of games over the next uh this coming up this weekend friday aston villa leads really excited for that one uh i I love having i love having soccer during the workday that's all sorry uh manchester united chelsea uh whatever the over is take that that's my gambling (laughs) tip neither team can defend and then arsenal leicester also this weekend will be good and then the following weekend you get manchester united arsenal and leeds leicester so a lot of good games to look forward to. I'm sure Manchester United is going to have some really stupid results in some way or another. Things are going to be weird. Looking forward. My to guess it. is one. My guess is one of those two results is really good, and the other one's really bad. That's this is about right. Um, Which gonna, means they're going to end up trying, but just prove me wrong. Sorry. La Liga, who the current leader is Real Sociedad, by the way. We're kind of seeing the same trend across all the leagues where everyone's dropping points right out of the gate on the same day. Barcelona and Real Madrid both lost 1-0, which is incredible. What sucked, though, is that in that Barcelona 1-0 game, that was Sergino Dest's um, first start. Not his fault. Although, the goal allowed was a penalty, and it was not Dest's fault. So, you know what? I'll take it. And And actually, he should have had an assist to Messi. Messi should have scored. He didn't. Uh, Messi has not scored. His last three goals have been from the spot kick. He has not scored from live play in in, in a couple games. Yes. and Ronald Koeman, after a somewhere where Messi wanted to leave more than anything else, thought that the move was to say publicly that Messi hasn't been playing very well. Yeah, it's a, a bold move. Uh, one thing I want to touch on, the Atletico Madrid you know, formula last couple seasons is whenever Barcelona and or Real Madrid drop points, they drop points. The, the, the match week where Barca and Real lost, Atletico did win. I know. I, I think that's a great point. Um, obviously, we were... We had the entire own goal community concerned when Benzema had not gotten one in for Real, but we do not need to be concerned now. I know Eric was actually, he actually called me crying about it um, eight days ago, but Benzema scored. Eric, just your heart, your heart can be easy now. I was just disappointed that he's now scored as many goals as Sergio Ramos this season. He scored more goals from open play than Lionel Messi. I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm just jumping on that right now. Um, okay. Also, I think Celta Vigo might get relegated this season because we usually account for them to do well against the top teams, especially Barcelona. And Barcelona beat them 3-0, and that gets me really concerned. We love Celta Vigo because they always – and they also lost to Atletico. 
I'm concerned about Celta Vigo. I'm just throwing that out there early. I yeah. hope that, you know, things get better for them, but that's a concern. Um, Uber Eats League. PSG beat a team called Angers, 6-1. And Bob Let's see now. It's Angers. Okay. Hey, when you when you lose whatever and you get to the Uber Eats League, you get to pronounce the teams. When I'm doing the Uber Eats League, I get to pronounce the teams how the fuck I want to. They beat Nimes 4-0. Mbappe scored two. Um, like I said at the top of this segment for the leagues, Lille is leading the Uber Eats League. That will not last long. PSG is coming. There's your Mbappe updates. Yeah, quick Bundesliga uh, update. Leipzig continue to lead the pack. Four games in, one point ahead of Bayern and Dortmund. All three won this over, over the weekend. Uh, we kind of touched on Leipzig. I think they have a strong defensive squad, and they can get offensive uh, kind of input across the board. They also have a lot of options in midfield, and they they cycle players through that midfield a lot. You know, some games Tyler Adams starts, other games he doesn't. But it doesn't seem to be because they don't they don't trust him. It's just that I think they have the, the legs to rotate through the midfield, which they then use to I think try to control the flow of the game. So that that could come into a lot. It would be really helpful as we had these congested schedules. Uh, Dortmund had a tough one, tough fought one, one nothing win over Hoffenheim over the weekend, and I only bring this up because Royce uh, made it back into the lineup and actually got the only game, the, the only goal of the game, the game winner. So great to see him back. And then um, something to look forward to this weekend: Dortmund Schalke uh, derby is this Saturday. I would fully expect Dortmund to just run train over Schalke. Uh, who, who finally got a point? Uh, they drew one-one this last weekend. But it being a derby you, or derby, you never really know um, what what they can do. Yeah, probably gonna lose bad. All right, probably. are we uh, ready to dive? What the fuck? Dive right back into the world of the uh, Champions League. The Champions. Exactly. So I was thinking maybe instead of going through the groups because we're a little late on recording, we can go through the groups that actually play today, make our picks for those groups, talk about those games, and then run it back to the groups that haven't played yet today, but, you know, they're the yeah. groups that are earlier in alphabetical order, and get our picks in, and, of course, make our group stage bet, which I, I know what I want you to do if I pick more teams right, already off the bat. You can take, if you don't have yours for me prepared, but I would like every episode to be able to write one sentence in French, and you have to read the sentence in French. That's all what I want. Bastard. That's all I want. Very simple. The problem is, like, what if the, the sentence is something absurd that I would never agree to say? Okay, the, the sentence will not be anything, like, immoral in the sense that, like, I will not say, like, anything about some sort of heinous criminal or immoral act, but the sentence could be, for example, something like, so like, I I see what you're saying. I thought about that. I will agree that it won't be like, but I think like a bad soccer take is a fair sentence for you to say in a different language. For example, like saying like Kareem Benzema is a superior striker to Robert Lewandowski. It's something that I could maybe write. And I think that would have to be fair. It doesn't mean just because you're reading the sentence doesn't mean you agree Uh with the opinion. But I, I think there's a clear line, and I think we both like. I'm not gonna say like like Eric Gates, like like you have to read something about like molesting children or something disgusting. No, it's all gonna be like soccer, like funny soccer related things that re- that relate to 
some of our themes on the podcast just in French. And I, I want it to be read right before I talk about the Uber Eats League. That's kind of like a little <laughs> intro to that segment. Okay. I put a That's lot of fair. thought of thought into it. That's fair. And then I'll counter you with, you have to do the same thing before we talk about the, I'll write something in German. And you do the same thing before we talk about the Bundesliga. Deal. Deal. I like that. Okay. okay. So starting with Group E, we have Krasendor, Rennes, of course, of course. Sevilla, and Chelsea. Two draws today. Two draws, and, and honestly, after at the end of match match week one, we see uh, Rennes and Krasendor, Krasendor in top of the table on on goals scored. <laughs> yes. Um... But surely that cannot last as Sevilla and Chelsea <laughs> played the most boring 0-0 game in human history. I mean, it was fascinating because this is a Chelsea team predicated on attacking, right? They're going to give up goals, but they're going to score goals. That's that's their whole philosophy. Every time – I was watching this game simultaneously with, with a couple of the other games. So, you know, I had multiple screen action going on. And every time I looked at that screen, uh, Chelsea were in defense. Like, Chelsea, I, I never saw them on the ball. When they did have the ball, they lost it immediately. When they lost it, they were unable to get to get Sevilla off the ball, which you know normally would be great for a team like Sevilla. But also, this entire game, Sevilla were never threatening in the final third. Which, when you have one team dominating possession and that team is never threatening in the final third, what the fuck are we watching? It was so boring. Yeah. Um, before we make our picks for who goes through, are we doing? a format where it's straight up, like, you just pick the two teams that go through? Are we doing the format where you pick the two teams in the order and you get one point if the team went through and then two points if it went through in the order you picked it in? Which format? I'm happy either. I don't care. Okay, Which I don't want to like do math later, so let's just go two straight up. Cool. All right. Um, uh, I would be shocked if we had different ones. It's it's Sevilla and Chelsea are going through. Yeah. I agree. They're they're they're, they're going to beat up on on Rennes and Cranzador and and they'll probably, you know, it's it's going to be the two of them going through. Yeah. I think that is a uh, very fair. Uh the next group is group F where we have Lazio, Bruges, Zenit and Dortmund. And today yeah. we saw Lazio really give it to Dortmund. Couple things were interesting. Uh, you know, American Gio Reyna has been playing a lot for Dortmund. Uh, was on the bench to start the game, and Lazio came out. Uh, Kiro Moble, a former Dortmund striker, couldn't really get off the ground in Dortmund. Went back to Italy and uh, knocked the game opener uh, for Lazio. Then there was, I think, a, a Dortmund own goal off of a, a like a deflection off a Lazio shot. Uh, then halftime came. Reina, Reina came in and assisted Erling Holland. He's got an incredible connection with with the Norwegian striker. I don't know why they didn't start him to begin with, uh, Reina, but whatever. Uh, but Lazio were able to get an insurance goal kind of near the end of the game. Um, not not surprising when I mean Lazio is a, a talented squad, but I, I think going into this, I was definitely expecting either a draw or, or, or a. a tight Dortmund win, honestly. Yeah, I didn't expect Lazio, it, the game to be so easy for Lazio either. And then in the other league, as I'm sure we were all watching the purest selection of today, uh, Club Bruges versus seen at St. Petersburg. I, wa- I watched this game. I watched, I watched all of it. I'm sure you did. 
I did. I mean, Ethan Horvath, the U.S. Uh, you know men's national team goalie, is the was the starting goalie for Club Rouge. Uh, I think it had been about 13, 14 months since uh, he he got his last start, or something, maybe his last Champions League start. Uh, but he's he said that he's put a lot of work in, into kind of getting back to to where he is. So it's great to see him get the start. It looked like he was having a, a pretty solid game, and then Dejan Lovren rocketed a shot, bounced off the post and then bounced off of uh, Horvath's back and went into the goal. So uh, there was, a, it was for a while it was 1-1 off an Ethan Horvath's own goal. Uh, but luckily and fortunately for Ethan, Bruges ended up getting the, the game winner. Uh, so in four Champions League starts, Ethan Horvath has only allowed one goal. And it was an own goal that he knocked in. And I'd also add that he made a couple of pretty good saves late in that game to, to you know keep it preserved for Club Bruges. So... That being said, um, I think this group is very similar to Group E, where I feel like there are two clear teams going through, and I think it's Lazio and Dortmund. Yeah, I, you know, I have a penchant for picking like uh, some some underdogs and some some unexpected results, and, and they're going to happen, right? Every camp, every group stage has has the unexpected team to drop, and it wouldn't shock me if it's Dortmund, right? Just the fact that they, 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 they did lose. If this was a World Cup-style group stage where you only play each team once, I, I, I think that Dortmund could be in trouble. But over over six games, I think they will stretch out right a lead. Yeah, so I'm with you. I hope we don't have the same answers for everything, but I'm with you, Lazio and Dortmund. Well, Group G, maybe we'll have some disagreement here. <laughs> we have Barcelona, Juventus, Dynamo Kiev, and France, Frank Vasori TC, which is a Hungarian soccer team. Um, Barcelona and Juventus were not matched up today, so it was Barcelona against the Hungarian team, and they just shit-pumped them 5-1. I mean, just death started, by the way. And yep. Juventus, just comfortable 2-0 win against Kiev with goals from Alvaro Morata. Remember, no Ronaldo, no Weston McKinney yet. Um I think one thing that was, that was a cool story about the Juve uh, Kiev game was uh, like 20 something years ago, Andre Pirlo was given his first um, senior team start uh, at Brescia by the now manager of Kiev, and they were able to manage against each other. They, they had an embrace, and, and they, they seemed to be enjoying talking to each other before and after the game. Uh, so I thought that was a cool little you know, story. About the guy that that gave Pirlo his first uh, professional kind of go. Yeah, and I think it, unless you're going to shock me here and go with the Hungarian it's, team, it, I think it's Barca Juve. It's, it's it's Barca Juve, no no doubt. Yeah. Now this I think this one is a little bit more interesting. Leipzig, Manchester United, PSG, and Istanbul Bekashir. Uh Leipzig played Istanbul today. Beat him 2-0 off the two goals from um, Angelino. Angelino, that's right, the fullback. Leipzig looked good. Good result for Leipzig. With When the other two teams are PSG and United, everyone's got at least minimum. You cannot afford to drop points to Istanbul. It, it, that's a must-win, yep. Yep, Yep. and they did the job. Game of the day for me, I thought, great game, PSG-Manchester United. Yeah. Um, I mean, you had, you had Bruno Fernandez misses another penalty. And they get but... 
VAR, VAR comes in and shows that Kaylor Navas was never on his line. Like when Bruno started his, his, his approach, Kaylor was already off of his line. So it had to be taken again. He didn't miss twice. I mean, you know, he missed over the weekend. He missed, but then he, he, he made the, the, the redo. Um, but you know, it was, it was, it was, a, it was an exciting game. There were, there, were, I think at halftime United deserved to be up. But then I thought the first what 10, 15 minutes of the second half, I thought I thought we were um, PSG were, were were bringing it. Yeah. Uh, there there were some great saves by De Gea. There was that one uh, move that Mbappe made, cutting on the left side of the box, cutting in and and curling a one that De Gea just pushed out wide. I, I honestly, when that, that play was built, and I was like, oh, here's the Mbappe goal. And yeah, it was a vintage De Gea performance because the goal United conceded was in no way his fault. Anthony Martial has just not, not had a couple of last games because he just, I mean, <laughs> I don't even understand how you, how you score. I mean, you're at the near post, you just got to hit it up and out and he just kind of deflected it back into the goal. That's just, ugh. I mean, it, it's funny. No, so we keep like, winning uh, when we uh, score our uh, own goals. So maybe we just need to score the, ourselves the, every game. The only Goal you gave Newcastle was the the shot on goal, which that was really unlucky. Martial, it was unlucky in the sense that he headed it into his own goal, but that wasn't like he had time to to react to that ball and get his head in the right spot, and he didn't. Yeah, um, to his credit, he did earn the penalty that United struck, but you know this game, rash, you know, like you said, United you know, really got going in that first half. And it was surprising given that their formation was so defensive. Five in the back was expected with Baye and Maguire both out. So it was a back five of Tellez making his debut. Love Tellez, by the way. Um, great player, great crosser of the ball, good defensively. Shorts are way too fucking long. <laughs> that is my huge critique. It is difficult to watch him run around in those baggy oh, 2005 and, and one looking fucking shorts. Almost criminal. Um, Luke Shaw. I think I played. I think I played middle school basketball with that guy. Luke Shaw, the left center back. Lindelof in the Miller. Um, Tunzabi, as the uh, third center back, who played a phenomenal game. Actually, really should look at starting him more. He looked really good against PSG. I mean, him and Wambasaka on that side were just no window, shutting things down. I also don't necessarily hate this back five. I actually think we have good personnel for it with Luke Shaw as the left-sided center back and Tellez on the left. I didn't hate this defense at all. It gives, it gives you a, that's another fullback in the, in the roster. Um, and, you know, I mean, it worked against PSG having McTominay and Fred in, in, in the midfield. Yeah. I feel like it also would have worked if you had McTominay and either Van de Beek or uh, Pogba. Like, I, I don't I don't think – but, I mean, Fred had a good game. Fred, Fred had a good game. Yeah. Um, but that style of play, it was very defensive and it was hit him on the counter. That's exhausting over over the long period of time, right? Yeah. So it's it's one thing to run it against at PSG when you have a few injuries, but I don't know how sustainable that is. You know, I mean, Rashford had a great game. That 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 winner was a. There were so many times where I thought, man, this is going to be one where Rashford, you're killing me, you're killing me. Come on, just stop, stop, just fucking shoot, just fucking shoot. And I think he heard me because he just got that ball and he just, it was a laser beam off the post and in. Just something about Rashford in Paris, in Paris. Man. It is, it is awesome. Also, before that goal, though, he set up Bruno perfectly 
right out right around the box and Bruno just could not Bruno Bruno had he's got those games where like shooting wise he's on and shooting wise he's off he seemed a little off uh yeah. today I and, like and I, there were like I said I really like this formation what I would like to see it done against Chelsea keep the back line the same good keep De Gea in good I would like Van de Beek and Pogba to be the two Yes. With Bruno. And then with Martial, I would like to see one of Cavani or Mason Greenwood with um, with Rashford. But I, I think there's some promise in this formation. I didn't hate I think it. You bring, I think you bring Cavani in just so you can go against Thiago Silva. I, I like that. I like, that, like story. that Um, But, yeah, this group, oh, this is okay, a tough Okay, before one. today, before today, you would have picked United to finish third in this group. Oh, 100%, I'd pick PSG and Leipzig to go through. Are you still doing that? Yep, PSG and Leipzig. And I'm taking Leipzig and United. Oh! Because, you know what? I've never thought Tuchel is a good coach. Okay. So I got PSG, Leipzig. Gacy's got Leipzig, United. Joke's on us when... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Istanbul. (laughs) Istanbul goes back from the dead. Um, okay, so we got we got some differentiation there. Now, let's go back to the top. Back to the top here. Okay, Group A, you got Atletico Madrid, Salzburg, Lokomotiv Moscow, and Bayern Munich. Uh, Salzburg is the, um, I believe they're an Austrian Salzburg. team who Jesse, Jesse Marsh. Marsh is their manager, which is really awesome. I think he's probably the next manager of the U.S. men's national team, but. Well, you could also argue that – so, um, you know, RB Leipzig's manager is Julian Nagelsmann, uh, mm-hmm. who's been really impressive. But I wouldn't be shocked if he gets plucked from, from you know, uh, a historically bigger club. So it could also be critical for Salzburg to hold on to him so that when Nagelsmann gets plucked, they just elevate yeah. Marsh up to, to Leipzig. Which also, you know, I would love, I would love it if if March would would be the next U.S. men's you know national team manager, uh, but I also wouldn't mind it if that didn't happen. You know, I'd rather we bring somebody else in now for MLS Greg because fuck that guy, and and then you know let Marsh continue to manage uh, the club level successfully, get into Germany, and then we pluck him for twenty twenty six. Um, but, but anyway, let's get back to group A. Yeah. Um, so I think, so tomorrow, so tomorrow's matchups are Atletico Bayern is obviously the juicy one with, uh, Salzburg and Locomotive being there as well. Um, I like tomorrow, I mean, Bayern Munich's reigning, um, European champions. I think Bayern Munich's going to win tomorrow. Um, and I think Bayern and Atletico are going through in this group. Bayern Atletico. Those yeah. are the two. There's there's not a question for me. Yeah. A lot of these groups seem pretty pretty cut and dry in my opinion. I agree. I agree. Not the only deviation we had was so uh is the So far. Um, we we still have we have group B, uh Gladbach, Real Madrid, Inter, and Shakhtar Donetsk. You know, I think this one's got got some intrigue, right? You've got two of the top teams in Italy and in Spain with Real Madrid and Inter. Uh, Marcin Gladbach has been historically, you know, last 
five years been pretty competitive in the Bundesliga. Uh, and then, you know, Donetsk has always, always been around. What are they? Are they in the Donetsk? Is that Russia or is that uh, Ukraine? I think, I think it's, it's Ukraine. Russia. Oh. Yeah, Donetsk is in Ukraine. Okay. So, so I mean, they've, they've, they've been around, but. I'm 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 going I'm going shock here. Ray Allen Inter make it through. Inter's too talented. Real's too talented. Mosh and Gladbach's not competitive enough in the boring Liga for me to think they're, they're going to challenge Real or Inter. Yeah, and I think tomorrow you're going to see two pretty one-sided games in Real Shakhtar and Inter Gladbach. So, yeah, that's that group. Group C, I think, is actually a little bit more interesting because. I think there's one team that's definitely going through, and I think that second spot is really up for grabs here. It is. And this is the group with um, Marseille, Manchester City, Olympiacos, and Porto. Tomorrow's matchups are City-Porto, which actually I think is an interesting matchup, and Marseille and Olympiacos. I think we can both say, Eric, that we both think City is going through. Yeah. And I think this is another one of those groups where there's a lot of deviation on who's going to be that third team. My my second team from this group, I'm going Porto. I, I I think they they pump out the talent. You know they're they're they have a great scouting development program, and and there's always somebody else that they have. Um, so I'm 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 riding Porto here. Yeah, that was that was also my pick. I I usually like Porto. It's a Portuguese club. I like the Portuguese clubs in the group stage, especially like this. Uh, I was between, I, I had to think a little a little bit today about Marseille and Porto, but ultimately I was also going to go with Porto. You knew I wasn't going to go French. Yeah, well, obviously. All right, last group. We only have one pick that's different so far, so it could come down. Which would also there could be an op- there could be the option where PSG and United go through in that group, yeah. and we just tie thirty one each. Which yeah. would which I think if we tie. We both have to do the thing. I have to read something. For it. I think that's the only fair thing because then the fans win. We're not, we're also we're not we you know we're not a we aren't a European league. Ties are losses in our book. Yeah, true. Strong this next points. group, which there, uh, there could still be yeah. some deviation here. Now you have Liverpool, Mittyland. Do you know which country Mittyland is from? Um, I did. I want to say they're from Denmark. Yes, they are. Yeah. Atalanta. I looked it up. <laughs> and Ajax. Obviously, so did I. Who the fuck is Miniland? <laughs> so tomorrow, I think we have another one of the good games in Liverpool-Ajax, especially a Liverpool without Allison, without Virgil van Dijk. It's a very different Liverpool at the back. Um, Miniland, congratulations for making the group stage. I think that this is as far as you will go in this journey. Um, I think clearly Liverpool is going through, and I have Ajax going through as well. So, I also have Liverpool going through. I think Midland, you know, this is as far, this is where the destination ends, but I wouldn't be shocked if they take a win from somebody who's counting on that win, right? I think between Ajax and Atalanta, whoever can uh, avoid dropping points to the, the, the cellar dwellers, that's going to be as important as how they play against each other. Um, that being said, you know, you've talked about Atalanta as a potential team that's that's going to have a, a, you know, maybe a hangover, a down year. I 
I disagree. You know, I, I, I picked Atalanta to finish top four in, in, in Syria uh, above Milan. You know, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to continue that momentum, but I do think that they may see this as, you know, they don't they won't know when they're going to be back in the Champions League. Uh, they they came, you know, they had a really good run, not as far as they wanted to go, not as far as they could have gone, but better than they should have done. And I think with the returning group they've had and the, the talent they have, they'll think that, they need to get out of this group, and, and I think they're going to do it. All right. So you got Liverpool. So really it comes down to Atalanta or Ajax and – United or PSG. United or PSG. Or I think I have I have the underdogs in both those groups. <laughs> I don't uh, know. Ajax maybe. It's hard. I don't, it's think, hard. Manchester, I don't think Manchester United is – especially after today, I don't think Manchester United is the underdog. I would just never actually pick Manchester United. Like that's fair. I, I just I, I wouldn't do it. I, I even thought about going to pick Manchester United. I'm like I'm not doing it. I mean, it's honestly the underdog is Leipzig in that group of those three. Even after the win, even after the win, you gotta yeah. say Leipzig is the underdog to make it out of that group. Yeah. 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 Um. All right. Well, that is thanks our for show. Uh, thanks for sticking with us, everybody. This is a long episode, but we had a lot of a lot of content we wanted to, to cover. A lot of good stuff. Remember, follow us. We are available on iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. SoundCloud for the aspiring rappers. Follow us on Twitter, OwnGoalPod. Email us, OwnGoalPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, at OwnGoalPod. Follow us, interact with us, give us content. We're doing some uh, fantasy Champions League, so we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks, I'm sure. I'll have something to be upset, and I'm sure I'll find a way to uh, incorporate John Terry very heavily into the next episode. Bye. And Benzema. Bye. I was sitting wishing in this barren desert wasteland all alone. Hoping that mirages were in some type of scene I've come to know. She whispered closely, told me this is all that we could ever be. But none of me would be the enemy and destroy our destiny. Cause our love is a battlefield, and I'm a soldier made of steel. And I'll fight until the end, shall wounds always bend, oh no. Spirit, oh yeah, right down to the bone. Until the day I realized my courage is all I ever own. Cause our love is a battlefield, and I'm a soldier made of steel.
Surrender your core I'll give you bombs of mine 